On today's show, we discuss the status of the Maple Leafs with their pending UFAs, two easy transactions that could clear up loads of cap space for Brad Trilliving, and the Hall of Fame announcement was made. Who got in? Who are the snubs? All that more coming up on the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Lease Podcast, a daily Maple Leaf centered podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co host, Dave Morissuti. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. All right, Dave, we've got a busy show ahead of us today. We've got some news and notes from Leafland that we're going to get to in just a moment. We got some clarity on the salary cap. And there's two moves in particular that Brad Living can make to open up a wide margin, tons of cap space. Just there is a lot more to be had there. I'll explain what I'm talking about in uh, a couple of minutes. And our guys did not make it into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Cujo McGillney, big snubs, but we'll tell you who did get in in just a little bit. But why don't we start with uh, the Maple Leafs and start with some of the news and notes that we're hearing from around the league from all the insiders around the NHL. Um, Dave, yesterday I was listening to First Up on 1050 and Chris Johnston reporting that he finds it unlikely that we'll see the Leafs retain any free agents. So the Maple Leafs have 10 free agents. We know them headlined namely by you know Luke Shen, who's a player that a lot of people want to see brought back. Noel Chari, Ryan O'Reilly, obviously, probably the biggest name. And according to Chris Johnson, it's it's so late into the process that it might make sense for players at this point to kind of see what's out there on the open market as opposed to return to Toronto. Uh, what do you make of that report that out of the 10 UFAs that the Maple Leafs have, they might not bring back any? It's a little disheartening to hear because there were guys that we would have liked to have brought back. You know, looking at the at, you know how many players were brought in whether that was trade at the trade deadline or signed like you don't want to have to make do such a big you know swooping change of the roster at some point a little bit of continuity should be something that a lot of teams would want especially the Leafs right you're going through so many changes you want to see if you can you know avoid having to bring in so many new guys but at the same time we always know that when players come to Toronto and they're pending UFAs, their values tend to get inflated a little bit. And I mean, the agents know that and they're going to play that as much as possible going into uh, free agency. We've seen it many times and it wouldn't, it's wouldn't surprise me if that happens again. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, there's a couple that I think we've already kind of cut bait on that we assume aren't going to come back and may not, have much need for them to come back you know guys like Eric Gustafson Justin Hall Alex Kerfoot doesn't appear that uh, most of the fan base wants those guys to return to Toronto and it it sounds as though with a new regime coming in um, you know they're not going to retain those guys services either which 
does make sense when you look at guys like Kerfoot and Hall. Like those were people, two guys who were brought in by uh, by Kyle Dubas and and you know gave uh, them their contracts and gave them every opportunity to succeed here in Toronto. Now that he's moved on and he's gone, doesn't sound like they kind of fit what Brad Trilliving is trying to do. So it makes sense that some of these players are going to be on their way out, but. Still, I, I, I thought that potentially Luke Shen would be a priority. I'll say this, though. We had discussed in the past that Ryan O'Reilly, we kind of ri- kind of wrote him off as a potential free agent to bring back into the fold. But I don't know if you heard on Insider Trading, but Pierre Lebrun um, was actually reporting that there have been discussions with O'Reilly and his camp. Brad Trilliving circled back to Ryan O'Reilly to see if there's interest in coming back to Toronto uh, to see what a type of deal, you know, what what a deal could look like, um, to see if they can make something work. I mean, uh, I I still would love to bring Ryan O'Reilly back into the fold. Like, is there a number you think makes sense for the Maple Leafs to bring him back, though, Dave? Well, if you think about where you would want him to play, if he's going to be the second line center, you know, he's going to ask for five plus million. What I think the Leafs should be comfortable paying, like. It's probably not going to work, but I was saying that three and a half to four million dollar range. Ooh, you wouldn't be willing to go to five for Ryan O'Reilly. Depends on the term, right? That's a fair. That's a fair point. Let's say he wants a three year deal, three years, fifteen sheets. Turn that down. Oh, that's really tough. I, I think you can stomach it, but uh, that's that that's tough to pay that much for a guy who, you know, he's not exactly the he's he's slowing down a little bit few injuries the last couple of years you got to be careful of you know how much how many how many miles are on that body especially yeah that's a fair point it's a fair point there definitely is you know some negatives to uh to ryan o'reilly at this point do got to be weary for guys on the wrong side of 30 but you know he is a player that if the maple leafs have circled back and and if they can try and get something uh sorted out i would imagine that a lot of Leafs Nation would be happy to see Ryan O'Reilly return in the white and blue and, and beat his team second line center, move Tavares to the wing. Maybe you get, you know, the Tavares and, and O'Reilly and Marner line next season, get them cooking on a full year, see what that could end up uh, doing for, for the Maple Leafs. I wouldn't mind seeing that, if I'm being quite honest with you. Um, I think I'd be willing to go to go to like a $5 million AAV. I, I think I'd be willing to go that high. For a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, it, 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 to me, it makes sense. He can kill penalties for you. He's got the leadership, championship ability. And when he was healthy last year in the playoffs, he wasn't healthy in round two. But in round one, especially early, he was the team's MVP early on in that series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, uh, you know, it, it wasn't until an injury came where it sounds as though there was a foot injury that impacted his play in that Florida series um, if that wasn't the case, who knows, man? Who knows how different things could have been this off or this uh, this playoff if they had a healthy Ryan O'Reilly in round two. So if they can bring him back into the fold for a couple of seasons, I, I, I'd be I'd be on board. He's the type of player that you don't mind splurging on a little bit. You know what I mean? Like he at three and a half million, I think is ludicrous to assume that he would ever come back. Like Kerfoot made three and a half million last year. And they were comfortable paying Kerf with three and a half. You think that they're gonna, you know, stick to three and a half at Raw for Ryan O'Reilly? I, I think you're high off your rocker if you think that that's gonna get it done. 
but in the five to five and a half million dollar range uh, on a on a you know two three year term, I don't know if I want to go much longer than three years, but that's somewhere where I would be comfortable. Five to five and a half on a three or less term, I'd bring back Ryan O'Reilly in a heartbeat. I mean, if that's what the cost is, like. I'm just trying to think what he would realistically get in the free agent market. I would say it'd be, it would definitely be north of five. It's just a term that's that's the that's the one I'm really having a hard time figuring out because you're trying to figure out like comparables for Ryan O'Reilly on the free agent market. Yeah, and that's that's maybe why I'm struggling to figure when I first put out my number because I just I I just don't know. Like he was making what just over seven million dollars. Last uh, on yes. his last deal, so yeah. he's not going to ever get that guy. He's topped out at what he made before. So yeah, you're you're now expecting him to take a couple million dollars less, and obviously if less term. I think five million dollars. I I can find you can find a way to make that work, but you're going to have to do some creative stuff with the roster around it to make it all fit. Oh, it's funny you mentioned that, Dave, because on the other side, why don't we take a look at the salary cap? It it appears that we know what the ceiling is going to be. We'll tell you what that number is, and I'll tell you a way that you can clear up enough cap space that it could make some sense to give $5-plus million to a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. I've got two moves in mind to clear up some cap space for the Maple Leafs. We'll tell you those in just a minute, but before we do, let me tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors, and it's our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Uh, flash deals with uh, flash deals and last-minute tickets. The, they're easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event. You can see images of your seats, uh, and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps, and your set tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you'll never have to dig through your email. Uh, snag the tickets without stress with the game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with my co-host Dave Morissuti. This is a Leaf-centric podcast. we got brand-new episodes coming out Monday through Friday each weekday. So if you're craving that Leafs content each and every day, make sure that you are subscribed to the Locked On Lease podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, also up on YouTube as well. So we appreciate that. And, hey, let us know in the comment section down below. Are you interested in paying $5 million AAV for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly? What would you be comfortable paying? I don't want to put a number on it. Let us know down below. What's the comfortable contract you would like the Maple Leafs to offer Ryan O'Reilly to come back and be part of this team going forward into next season and beyond? Let us know in the comment section down below. Um so as I mentioned, I, I think there's there's a couple of ways that the Maple Leafs can create enough cap space to uh, to to make a sizable signing, such as Ryan O'Reilly or re-signing at this point. So we finally got some clarity on the salary cap, Dave. It appears that it's it's only going to rise by one million, which is what we expected at first. Then there was some talk about maybe it could raise you know a couple more million if if you know they get enough of the debt paid down. 
Turns out that did not happen, and it's going to remain at just a $1 million increase. Again, bit of a flat cap. So the cap ceiling next season is set, or will be set, at $83.5 million. So Dave, let's take a look at the Leafs' current cap situation, okay? They currently have 15 contracts counting toward their active roster next season. Those 15 players allocate for $74.3 million, which leaves them roughly $9 million in cap space. And that's a decent amount, I would say. Like, there's clearly some more signings that have to be made. The roster, there's a lot of holes on that roster. But starting out, you know, they got $9 million right now. Um, that's not a terrible amount of money to go out and, and sign five guys uh, five more players, depth players mainly, to your roster. It's it's not a terrible number to be starting with heading into the offseason. No, and considering you got most of your top-end guys on the blue line, you've got your top four figured out pretty much. You're, you're really just adding a lot of depth pieces and trying to maybe round out the rest of the roster in a lot of ways. So $9 million isn't – yeah, you would want more than $9 million, but it's not like they have – nothing to work with there there's there's a lot of you can find a lot of bargains out there in the free agency if you're willing to be patient yeah they are smack dab right in the middle right in the middle in terms of uh cap space for uh in the entire league is in terms of how much cap space they have at this very moment heading into next season so um they can make more cap space though they can open up an additional 14.7 million sorry an additional nine million uh dollars by making two moves dave which would bring them to an 18.7 million in space to make some moves and you could do a lot of damage with 18 million dollars i think um so i'll tell you exactly what those are the first one Look, it, again, this isn't a sexy move, and it's not one that I, you know, is pulling the wool over people's eyes here, but it's it's one that we fully expect to happen, and that's Jake Muzzin ending up on LTIR, right? Jake Muzzin ends up on LTIR this summer. They'll gain an additional $5.65 million in cap space, which would bring them up to about $14.7 million. And look, I, I, I hate that that's, you know, become reality for jake muzzin but it just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to play hockey anymore and uh you know the, the one benefit i guess is it does help the maple Leafs with their cap situation uh the other move which is one that i think is probably the one that's a little bit more controversial that we could talk about here whether or not that we want to go down that route is the buyout of matt murray I know that you spoke about it last week when I was off the show, so I didn't get a chance to, to touch on it and give my thoughts on it. But buying on Matt Murray creates an additional $4 million in cap space this year. So you put Muzz on LTIR, you buy out Matt Murray, all of a sudden you've got $18.7 million in cap space for the Maple Leafs, which is the ninth most cap space in the NHL uh, if they do those moves. You can do some serious changing to this roster, if you're Brad True Living with $18.7 million in uh, in space. Yeah, I mean, w when we look at the Matt Murray bio situation, it certainly does help the Leafs window next go in this upcoming season. 
It's just the you're going to have to eat that two and a half the year after. The benefit there, too, is you're not having to waste an asset trying to move that contract. And I can, I get that part, too. I just wonder, are they trying to exhaust every last potential option to move him uh, before they do that? And the problem here is, is, and I noticed this, is how many other teams are trying to move contracts right now? Like Blake Wheeler is an like that's a very expensive contract that they're trying to move. And a lot more teams may want to just go and take a Blake Wheeler than a Matt Murray because Matt Murray's you know Blake injured. Wheeler might actually play for you. Yeah, Blake <laughs> Blake Wheeler might actually play and a motivated Blake Wheeler might actually not be half bad, right? Like yeah. Matt Murray, if you go if you tell a team, okay, take Matt Murray, I guess what you're gonna tell them is there's a really good chance you're just going to put him on LTIR anyways. Potentially. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, that's a, it, but again, that's a hypothetical and it's becoming a lot tougher to really gauge if that's a possibility because we don't know if Matt Murray, what, what his health status is. I think Dubas and Keith said that he was fine. Like he was healthy. He was the backup for Joe wall in, in game four and five. Right. So yeah. he was, he was there. He was available for for the maple leafs he was healthy and he was there so you know at the end of the year he was considered a a healthy body for toronto but was considered their third string goaltender like joe wall passed him in uh in in you know on the death chart and if this team plans on bringing back Ilya samsonov or if they plan on bringing in another goaltender to be kind of their 1a um to go along with joseph wall matt murray's not in the fold like, I, I don't see a way, unless Matt Murray is an LTIR candidate also, which I guess can't be out of the question. However, can you really roll the dice and just thinking, okay, he'll end up on LTIR? Like, can you do the Joffrey Lupel thing where it's like, no, 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 your knees are bothering you all season long? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, only Lou Lamorello was able to get away with that Robida Island stuff. I don't know if you can send Matt Murray there or if he'll play ball in that regard. So for me, I think it'd be a lot safer just to trade him away, or I don't know if I would not be willing to give up the type of, uh, the type of asset that it would cost to, to trade out Matt Murray. So I think the buyout makes uh, a ton of sense. Um, You're saving 4 million this year, and then you've got an additional $2 million the following season. But keep in mind, the cap is supposed to raise like five, six million that year. So it's not going to be as hurtful, I suppose, as you would think it would be. Plus you have, you know, a couple other contracts that are going to be falling off that season as well. um, That would give you a little bit more space. So to me, the buyout makes more sense to be honest with you than it does the trade. I think the Leafs are in a situation where they just can't afford to trade anymore first round picks they don't have a second round pick like they they pretty much only have a first to to deal i don't think a third's going to get it done so they have a first and they don't even have a third this season either so they pretty much they got a first round pick and that's what they'd have to move um could they do something similar where like they trade a first to matt murray for a third and just slide back into the draft the way they did last year peter mrazic perhaps but you look at the money owed to matt murray i mean that's eight million dollars in cash this year Two million of it Ottawa's picking up, but that's six million dollars all salary that whoever trades for Matt Murray is gonna have to pay him six million in cash. That's gonna cost a lot of money. I mean, 
Do you remember what it costs uh, during the off season or during the trade deadline to pick up like, I don't know, 160,000 or something like that when Minnesota was brokering deals to, to get guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Patrick Kane and Tarasenko traded. It cost a fourth round pick for like 160 grand worth of money. Imagine what $6 million is going to be worth to a team. I could tell you what it is because remember it happened before with the Maple Leafs and Patrick Marlowe. It cost him a first round pick. So I would imagine it, it could also cost him a similar amount considering, like you said, there's a very competitive market for teams to offload bad contracts where it's it's a buyer's market in a way when you're buying bad contracts and you probably will be able to create a bidding war to weaponize your cap space. And if that's the case, it's going to cost a lot to, to get Matt Murray um, to get Matt Murray dealt away from Toronto. So for me, it's it's the buyout is probably the, the better option, the smarter option. Um, and again, you do that buyout, you, you, you place Muzz on LTIR, all of a sudden the Maple Leafs are laughing with about 18.7 million in cap space. All of a sudden there's some money there for Ryan O'Reilly, isn't there? There's some money there to go out and get another, you know, top four defenseman, maybe a Dmitry Orlov potentially, uh, isn't there? Like there's some money to give to Ilya Samsonov now. There's some money to give, you know, to some other depth players and pieces. So, I think that these two these two moves can really create enough cap space for the Maple Leafs to make a couple of uh, pretty decent ads this summer. Yeah, there's I think uh, I think that's definitely an easy route to go. Um, and then hopefully hopefully we get some clarity on the Matt Murray situation like well before the draft. Because yeah, it was nice that the you know the Leafs were able to you know pawn off the Kyle uh, the Peter Morazic deal with Kyle Dewis being able to make that one work. But as you said, yeah, this is going to be a much tougher one to do just because of the uh, because of the money owed. So I, I'm just, are you surprised that the Matt Murray buyout, if they were doing a buyout, hasn't happened yet? No, because I'd imagine that they're trying to find a trade partner and then last you know, case scenario would be to buy him out. Like I, I would imagine that pretty much in their heads, if, if I was Brad for living, I would say I would, I'd be willing to trade any, any pick, but a first rounder for someone to take on Matt Murray without, without having any retention. Like I, I give like a future second, a future third, whatever it would cost to get Matt Murray off the books. I, I would do that. But um, I would imagine those phone calls are being made right now. He also has had so many other things on his plate uh, with being in Arizona, talking to Austin Matthews, chatting with Sheldon Keefe, for figuring out if he wants him to be part of the fold. And then now they're talking about other assistants to potentially join the coaching staff with Spencer Carver leaving. Apparently he's circled back to, to Ryan O'Reilly maybe for to, to bring him back as a free agent. You've got scouting meetings, both for amateur with the draft coming up and pro scouting meetings with free agency coming up. Like there's just so much going on that, you know, I guess Matt Murray, it's, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens, but we'll, if a trade doesn't happen by the end of the buyout window, then we'll buy him out. I think they'll just try and buy some time before they have to make that, uh, make that move. I, I'd imagine I could be wrong, but I would imagine that's where they're they're sitting. 
Yeah, it's that's that's I I've I actually was on the offside hockey talk podcast and I said that the Matt Murray situation that should be like the number one thing to be looking at. I understand that Austin Matthews is priority one to resign and all those things, but Matt Murray's contract is like the the biggest like biggest thing hanging yeah, in the front office right now. Yes, but like that's legitimately just a, a matter of like that can be done with a snap of the finger. Like yeah. this other stuff takes conversation and negotiation, and like you have to convince somebody else to do something. Buying out Matt Murray is easy as literally submitting paperwork and, and boom, that that's done. You know what I mean? So that that's not something that you'd be stressing. I don't think if you're uh, if you're you're Brad Chilliving because you know that if he wants to do it, it's done. Right. Like he doesn't have to find uh, a, a dance partner to make it happen like you would a trade or a re-signing of a player or an extension or what have you. This is really just when he gets around to it, which I assume will be prior to the deadline um I, it'll it'll get done i think it's just not not at the top of his priority list because he knows it's just a matter of submitting paperwork yeah and hopefully i just thinking hopefully they figure that out soon because i don't think you can go even like the draft like you do you think like with the draft they they want that are they trying to keep that option open i just don't that's the thing i've been wondering probably so, so like we're what a week away from the draft now yeah. like i would imagine that they'll probably try and keep that option alive in the draft the same way that they did with peter morazic and then if that morazic deal didn't come to fruition maybe they would have bought him out similarly here if no trade comes to fruition for matt murray and they don't find uh, a, a a taker for that contract then the next step is is to buy him out because th- don't get me wrong i mean you don't want to have that two million dollar cap hit on your book so if someone's willing to to take that on that salary on at the price that you're comfortable with in terms of asset whether it's as a prospect or a future you know mid-round draft pick sure you make that move you make that trade maybe someone wants to roll the dice on former two-time stanley cup champion matt murray you know what i mean where when he does play he's a pretty good goaltender but you know he doesn't often play which is the bigger problem uh, and has been for the better part of three, four years now uh, throughout his career. So, yeah, we'll see what ends up happening with the Matt Murray situation. But uh, I would imagine that uh, it, it won't be one come July 1st that we're worried about. I'd imagine that'll be solved prior to uh, to to July 1. And that cap space will be available for the Maple Leafs. Um, man, we ended up taking that segment really long. All right, let's quickly hit a break. Uh, when we come back, let's chat a little bit about the Hockey Hall of Fame. Talk about some of the names that were announced today and some that were snubbed, including a couple of former Maple Leafs. Uh, so we'll do that on the other side. But first, Dave, how about a word from our show sponsor? Yep. If you are looking for a pair of shorts that are designed to slip finger through the thigh and the leg to give you the most sculpted look and also to actually look nice, too, then you got to look at the bird dogs uh, shorts. They're the new khaki shorts that Mike and I actually got a pair sent to us. I've been using mine uh, playing golf. That's been my number one use for them, but they're good for many other things. They do the exact same thing as Lululemon's, but they fit way better. 
and they fit better than regular shorts because they're not made of the, st the stiff restricting co cotton. They found a way to use uh, a cloud knit fabric that looks just like a khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And they use anti-sweat uh, wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So uh, if you are also looking for another incentive to go and get yourself some bird dogs, go to birddogs.com slash NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morsuti. Um, appreciate you listening this far, but a half hour into the show. So if you're still listening, thank you so much. You're one of the real ones here on the Locked On Lease. We've had a lot of new people subscribe to the show recently, Dave. So we're thankful for those who are uh, who are new to the show. Um, appreciate it. Again, new podcast coming out each weekday, Monday through Friday. You'll still get that leaf fix. Still get that leaf fix as long as you're subscribed and locked in to Locked On Leafs. Um, well, yesterday's podcast, Dave, we talked a lot about the Hockey Hall of Fame. We talked about two guys who we felt, two former Maple Leafs who we felt were due to get into the hall. Neither got in. Alex McGillney and Curtis Joseph both snubbed from the Hall of Fame. How shocked were you to see? I, I mean, Cujo maybe was a bit borderline, but I think McGillney. McGillney is the, the, the biggest snub of them all for me. That remains the most perplexing one of them all, in my opinion, just because there we I thought I made a great compelling argument of why he should have gone in. And so everyone's cool. been like, if you look at the last few years of hockey hall of fame induction candidates, almost you can't find an article that didn't include Alexander McGillney as like a list of the candidates. And then how many people I've seen vouch for Alexander McGillney. And for some reason, it's not, it's not even something that the hockey hall of fame wants to entertain. And it, we didn't, we, I don't like, we don't really hear about why certain guys don't get in. And I feel like, okay, I understand is this, like, they want to keep the process, you know, locked and key, but I'm sorry. This is where I feel like just like almost every other sports hall of fame, there's some, they show who gets, uh, who gets a, like who's voted for what. So at least we would know if, if there's anybody in that room fighting for Alexander McGillney, I feel like fans at this point need to know that. Because it's it's getting it's it makes people speculate as to why he doesn't get in either, and I'm sure you've seen some of the speculation behind that too. Yeah, there's just there's no transparency. Is is the situation with the Hockey Hall of Fame where where every year, you know, hockey fans find themselves you know doing the whole Jackie Chan meme where they're just wondering what is going on in that room where guys like McGillney you know, for years has been a, a big snub. Kachuk, you know, is Keith Kachuk. Big Walt is another guy who many feel has been snubbed year after year. Rod Brindamore is another guy who probably deserves to get in at some point and consistently ends up getting the, the, the old snub job here. But, yeah, I thought McGillney, more than any of them, does deserve to, to get in for a lot of reasons that we mentioned on yesterday's podcast. Uh, he was what? What is it? Third in goals per game in his career, something like that. 
he was so he's third in goals for by all Russian players. I think he was like top twenty in goals per game, like across the NHL. Like, yeah, like not just through a certain period, but all time. Like, there's just so many. There's just so much, and like when Pierre Turgeon is like the non-goalie and non-female hockey player to get in, and you're just like, is Pierre Turgeon like that much better than Alexander McGillney? I mean, in my books, no, but like. To be fair, Pierre Turgeon was basically on his way out as like I was getting into hockey, so I can't give a a fair grasp on it. Like I remember McGillney mainly as well, I guess pretty much mainly as a Leaf, I suppose, just because that's when I started to to get into hockey and kind of understand what was going on, you know, two thousand and one, two thousand two, two thousand three, and whatnot. But you know, I I I knew that that guy was different. That guy was special. And then obviously as I got older and wiser, I, I learned more. Okay. McGillney was a, a, you know, a devil and a saber captain and he was amazing. And he scored 76 goals one year and, you know, Stanley cup champion, four-time all-star lady Bing winger. Like there, there's just so many, the triple crown club, one of the, the few members, a part of that Olympic gold medalist, world champion, gold medal, juniors, gold medal, like the guy is so well decorated to go along with the story of him also defecting from Russia to play in the NHL. All of that encompasses what, in my mind, should make uh, a slam dunk case to be a hockey hall of famer. And yeah, it's 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 gross that he year after year still consistently gets um, slept on and and passed up. I, I just it boggles my mind, man. It really really boggles my mind. Um, we shouldn't mention who did get nominated for the Hockey Hall of Fame, I suppose. Uh, as we predicted, Henrik Lundqvist was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He was nominated. This was really the year of the goalie. Like for it, it, Goaltenders have always kind of got the short end of the stick when it came to um, election into the, the Hockey Hall of Fame. They made up for that this year because of the four players, uh, male players, I suppose, uh, Carolyn Ouellette was considered the the female player who got in, who we also correctly predicted yesterday. Um, three of the four guys were goaltenders this year. Yeah, not one of them, strange. Cujo. Not one of them, Cujo. However, no. but three of the four were goaltenders. So yeah, so Henrik Lundqvist, first time on the ballot, he gets in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Tom Barrasso ends up uh, getting the call to the Hall, and Mike Vernon. So of those three, like, are would you put Cujo like if you had to power rank right? Longfist, Barrasso, Vernon, and Cujo as to who you thought was more deserving to get into the hall first. Not that they won't get in eventually, but who would get in ahead of the other? Like, how would you have power ranked those? I would put Longfist first. I think that's yeah. that's fair. I, I honestly would put Curtis Joseph second, Tom Barrasso third, and Mike Vernon fourth. I could probably hear the conversation to have Barrasso at second. I would listen to it. Yeah, there's an argument. But I don't really get the Mike Vernon over Cujo. That one doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I mean like Vernon had a couple of good years, I suppose, that season in Calgary where they won the Cup. And I think it was like 89. Is that when they won that cup with Lanny McDonald and them? Um, 
believe so. That was a a really good season, obviously. But for me, when I look at the careers, I just Curtis Joseph, man, like to me, he had the the better career. Like not accolade wise, obviously. But when you look at him as an individual, which, again, that's what the Hall of Fame is. It's based off of individuality. Um, I just feel like Cujo maybe should have got the call over Vernon this year. And maybe Vernon gets it next year. You know, next season, perhaps, could have been Vernon's time. But, unfortunately, both the guys that we advocated for on yesterday's podcast, Curtis Joseph and Alex McGillney, both got the old snub and uh, won't be as part of the 2023 Hall of Fame class. But it was Lungfist, Barrasso, Mike Vernon, Pierre Turgeon, Caroline Ouellette, Ken Hitchcock gets in as a uh, in the builder category. So big ups to, to Ken Hitchcock. That guy's just been a, a hockey lifer. I'm, I'm glad to see him go into the Hall of Fame. And Pierre Lacroix also goes in in the builder category as well. So that is the official... Hockey Hall of Fame class of, of 2023. No McGillney, no Cujo, no Kachuk, no Brenda Moore. Oh, well, we'll have to wait to next year to see if one of those guys uh, finally, finally gets into, into the fold. I, really? I, w- I will say Tom Barrasso did spend four games of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there is a Leaf connection in this oh. year's Hall of Fame class. We do have, that's true, one former Leaf goaltender is in the 2023 class just not the one we thought it was going to be <laughs> yeah but we'll take claim we'll take claim we'll take claim for it absolutely former maple leaf tom barrasso hockey hall of famer good on you pal mike vernon congrats but <sighs> should have had two leaf goaltenders in the 2023 class um funny enough henrik longfist former washington capital remember that yep do you remember that what a weird situation. He should have just hung it up after the after the Rangers. So weird that he he's just got that, you know, couple of picks in a in a Washington Capitals sweater. Just so it's just I, I it's he's one of those goalies where it's just like you can't picture him with another team. You no. could just never do How that. Games, look it up really quickly because my computer is gonna lag if I try and look it up. How many games he actually played for because I know he ended up getting hurt. Um, so he didn't end up like finishing out his contract. So, I hate to say this. It was actually zero. So he didn't end up playing any games. So he signed the contract and then he got hurt. Okay. So well, he had a heart condition that kept that's him what it was. Yes. Yeah, so it was a health concern. That's what it was. He didn't have, I, do, yeah. I, I do remember being weirded out by the whole thing, but that was trying to think like, did he actually end up playing any games? That's why I wanted you to look it up. Cause I wasn't sure if he ended up playing any, but yeah, so the heart condition popped up before um, he ended up playing any games, but he was a member and got paid as a Washington capital once upon a time. So kind of, yeah, we will all forget about that yeah. as well as well. Henrik Lundqvist, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, congrats to uh, to the class. Um, November, they'll be inducted, and I'm sure it'll be a, a good time. All right, really quickly before we leave, actually, um, I wanted to just mention that uh, this report that's out there from Sportico that apparently Larry Tannenbaum, one of the he's 25% owner of MLSE, which obviously owns the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, looking to offload some shares of MLSE to uh, the Ontario Municipal 
Employees Retirement System Pension Plan, which I, that's a mouthful. So they call it OMERS, the yeah. OMERS Pension Plan. Uh, and apparently MLSE recently, or he's, he's negotiating with an $8 billion valuation on MLSE. So he owns 25% of it. So he owns $2 billion worth of MLSE stock currently as a 25% owner of uh, of the group. And I don't think he's, he's not looking to sell all of it, but he's looking to sell some of it, it appears. And uh, that's, that's real interesting. So maybe we'll try and dig into this story a little bit and we can chat about it on tomorrow's show. Uh, but just wanted to, to float that out there for those who are interested. We'll talk a little bit about it more on tomorrow's uh podcast but that'll do it for us here today on the show i'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the podcast you can subscribe to the locked on these podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily leafs content you can follow us on twitter at mickey underscore canuck follow dave at d underscore morisuti follow the show as well at locked on leaves go ahead smash that like button if you're watching us on youtube leave a comment down below as well it helps with the algorithm it pushes the video around to uh to people so we'd like to know your thoughts on the leafs situation um on their cap situation let us know down below all right we'll be back with with another episode for you guys tomorrow but until then keep it locked right here on locked on leafs